0: the Raptors defeat the San Antonio Spurs handily. In fact, they, they beat the brakes off of them and did so without a super meaningful performance from OG Ananobi. And uh, the bench didn't have to do a bunch of scoring in this game to build the lead, but did enough of it to make the lead look even more obscene as the game progressed. So guys like Precious Achiuwa, Justin Champagny, they came on to score quite well. You know, Champagny actually during the game did it it wasn't all at the end of the game he was just fantastic but the raptors largely on the beastly performance of fred van Vliet, he's now scored 31 plus in four out of his last five games which in case you're not aware that is good in fact that is great that is some prime time bucket getting for a guy who's not known as a prime time bucket getter But as we approach All-Star season and we're in the midst of All-Star voting, the man is pouring it in. Finishes with 33, 12 of 23 from the floor, 7 of 14 from downtown. My God, he's a revelation. He's just, he's pushing the Raptors to victories. And Pascal Siakam, to his credit, is playing just a tremendous second fiddle in these games. Like, Pascal has been lights out. He's been All-Star in his own right. Although he didn't play the full season, And he wasn't, and he had to come back from surgery too, right? He had to kind of get back into the swing of things. So, you know, Pascal would have to be truly immense to have the type of all-star consideration that Fred will from coaches, you know, as we get closer to the game. But Fred is there for what it's worth. That's an all-star. The Raptors are now at 500 once again, the first time since seven and seven, I believe, at the start of the year. And it was, man, he was terrific tonight. Those two together... The the type of offense they're able to run together, their two-man actions, they're just drawing so much gravity. Even something as simple as their handoff above the break, they're actually not running that handoff anymore. Even though Pascal is 95th percentile and above four handoffs this season as a scorer, it's a really great play for him. Like Getting Pascal downhill is very good for the team, but they've just been audibling to the sideline, getting guys the ball there because teams are stepping up on that action so much that it's such a big advantage to just move the ball to the sideline and attack from that position. And you can extrapolate that into a bunch of the sets, like the two-man actions they run. It's just greasing the wheels for a lot of what the Raptors like to do right now. There, there are basically three players that are inextric- inextricably tied to the success of the half-court offense for the Raptors. Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and Gary Trent Jr. The, the Raptors' half-court offense is really terrible without any of those three. And they have incredible numbers in the half court, especially relative to like on offs and stuff like that. And especially in a game like tonight where you can see that Gary Trent Jr. is benefiting so much from these guys playmaking. And Gary had a lot of really easy looks tonight and a couple created for himself, but those three, 21 for Gary, 33 for Fred, Pascal, you know, he's morphed into the role, the exact role that the Raptors have needed because the Raptors don't have a big on this team. And Pascal in this game, 18, 12, and 5. I think he has like, I think he has 45 rebounds over the last three games, like 19, 15, and 12 or something like that. It's it's been a lot of rebounds, and his rebounding percentage has gone way up. I'll I'll have a big piece on Pascal coming out on Thursday. But yeah, he was awesome tonight. Obviously, he wasn't a huge defensive stalwart to Yaka Purtle. Pertle was 9 of 13 from the floor. He finished with 19 points, but Pirtle still a negative because the Raptors, they didn't lock down Pertle, but they did what they could elsewhere. And, you know, Devin Vassell was shooting the three really well early on. They got some looks for guys like Derek White and, you know, Josh Primo came off the bench and hit a couple threes. But outside of the first quarter, the Raptors and Joe Wieskamp, I guess, but outside of the first quarter, the Raptors weren't super worried with how to take care of the Spurs. The talent deficit was just so immense and the Raptors starters, their top end players who have been performing at like one of the best rates in the NBA since Pascal returned, they've been super, super good. They they absolutely dominated once the three-point variants came back for the Spurs. And yes, Pirtle was getting deep position inside. Yes, he was getting some offensive rebounds, but overall that was the most consistent thing that the Spurs were able to do offensively. And anything above the break, Anytime that another spur besides Pirtle was trying to negotiate space in the middle of the floor, the Raptors swallowed it up and they played awesome defense. So there was one breaking point, and that was Pirtle. But if a team only has one guy and it's a low usage big, you know, outperforming his points per game by like eight points, that's super meaningful for him. That's a big time for Pirtle. Like, good good job, good game. But as far as what the team actually needs, that's not moving mountains for them especially when the Raptors are coasting to 129 points in this game. And this game was also, the way the Raptors shared the ball was terrific because the Raptors coming into this game, I believe, had the lowest assist percentage in the NBA. I think it's 54%. They do a lot of isolation, and that is, you know, relatively due to Gary Trent Jr., Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi. OG and Pascal both get a lot of elbow touches, both get a lot of post-ups and they both do a lot of work in the isolation. Uh, Pascal has been phenomenal in isolations this year as he has always as he has been since 2019-2020 the year the year he was second team all NBA. It's it's good offense to be able to just pitch the ball to it doesn't completely break defenses the same way, you know, James Harden led isolation offenses used to, of course, but it's it's a great play to just have in the back of their pocket. But the Raptors in this game, they shared the ball more liberally. And that is because the Raptors weren't so focused on isolation because you don't want to play a version of offense where you're getting into the paint and you have to score at the paint unassisted and you have to try and do it over Jakob Pertl. Pertl has been in the, you know, like the hipster conversation for defensive player of the year for, I think like two and a half years now. And He's been a truly terrific defender. He really is. Whether he's as effective as the other guys in the in the DPOI conversation, you can quibble about, but he's really, really effective. And the Spurs don't foul a lot. So the Raptors, what they did was they just abused the perimeter defense of the Spurs. They got open on the arc. They got guys in rotation and eventually made the passes that needed to be made, especially heading down low, that once Pirtle is already committed to a rotation – you make the read, and you find the guy after that. You're taking Pirtle out of the play the best way you can. So the Raptors, to really dial up the passing in a game like this, really is a nice nod to, A, how much crisper their sets have been. Their, their half-court offense has been trending up for some time, and it's really wonderful to see. And, you know, I talked about the, the gravity that Fred and Pascal have and how that affects the rest of the, the offense. It's a huge boon. But overall, just to kind of change the play style a little bit, To make Purtle less of a presence defensively. Hell yeah. Uh, Extremely well done by the Raptors. And you could really see that come together in the second quarter. And then the second half was like, and also ran because, you know, the Raptors had already established their dominance by that point. They kept them at arm's length. And yeah, the second half was basically Scotty Barnes pursuing a triple double. with a lot of vigor. He was really trying to get after it. Like even to the point where he made a connecting pass, like you know the the swing swing pass. He was the second swing to Fred and you could hear him say like hit that cuz he he was really wanting to to get the assist. He finished with 11 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. And Scotty in this game too deserves a lot of love. He he's been low usage on offense for a while and he had one play in particular that he went into isolation. He got the ball and he, he went to his right initially, the guy the guy overloaded on his right. So he went, put him on his back and kind of, you know, was hop skipping to his left and got that shoulder into him and then hit a step back. And it was like, damn, that's really nice from about 13 feet. But a lot of the time when when Scotty's trying to turn the corner on somebody, it's just not happening right now. And that's okay. Like he's he's a rookie. Some teams are playing his drives the way that they saw teams were you know, failing to earlier on in the season. But another part of that is that earlier on the season, Scotty's playmaking game, the hallmark attraction of his offensive tool set coming into the draft, and, and in the preseason for that matter, that wasn't a huge part because he was seeing these driving lanes that were available to him. Now that teams ha- are playing him for the drive, passing lanes are opening up quite a bit again and man when and I've talked about this a lot already so if you're sick of it I'm sorry but this is really fascinating to me is that Scotty, when he's already playing against advantage when the when the defense is rotating by the time he gets the ball whether it's in half court or in transition when guys are moving defensively and have to try and pay attention to what lanes are open whether it's from the 45 whether it's vertically whether it's from the sideline all this kind of stuff right Scotty is much better at recognizing these lanes and the players filling them than most players who play the game of basketball. And so that means that he is just extremely precise and surgical at finding guys streaking to the bucket when he has advantage. So he's just a tremendous passer with advantage. He needs to be able to get into advantage more often. He needs to be able to get downhill by himself more often as his career progresses, of course, but right now, the fact that Fred and Pascal are creating so much rotation and OG as well for Scotty to work off of, and he's just making these really great reads as a passer, that's that's fantastic. He's such a It's a nice snug fit for sure. Even in a game where he went 0 of 2 from 3 and he wasn't really spaking, spacing out, the Spurs weren't respecting his shot. Oh well, who cares? As I said earlier on, the Raptors beat the brakes off of the Spurs in this one. It wasn't of much consequence that Scotty was 0 for 2, Gary 3 of 9, and OG 2 of 8 from downtown. Like, the Raptors were playing well enough and passing the ball well enough, that didn't matter. And a huge part of that that passing was Scotty making reads. So y- he's always going to give you something. Like, there's been very few games, if any at all, where Scotty didn't give you a plus in some area. And in this game, it definitely, it really was the passing. He was awesome. He made great reads. So just want to show love to that. and. Yeah, man, the Raptors dominated this game through and through. It was super fun to watch. And in addition to Scottie's chase for the triple-double in the second half, we got Justin Champagne getting to 14 points on 5 of 5 shooting. He missed his last three of the game, so he didn't finish at 100%. But he had a tip-in, which he's always been great at tip-ins. You've listened to this podcast before. You know exactly what I mean. This guy, he's got a keen sniffer for offensive rebounds, cutting opportunities, well, any type of rebound, actually. But he's he knows where to be on the floor almost at all times. And I think he was shooting, like, 12% from three coming into this game on low volume, and he he was not a shooter at pit. That wasn't his calling card. It was the rebounding. It was the uncanny ability to show up in the important spots where the ball, you know, the ball finds him, it seems like, even though, of course, you know, all credit to him, he's finding the ball but four or five from downtown is super, super great. And along with the fact that a little bit of that came in the first half when the Raptors were just trying to put the hammer down and really establish dominance against this Spurs team so that they could make sure that Fred plays 32 minutes instead of 39, so that Pascal plays 27, so that OG plays 30 because they have another game tomorrow. And I don't know how much the accumu- accumulative toll is if you play like 39 minutes the night before, uh, you know, uh, you play a game on a back-to-back versus playing like 30. I don't know if you really feel that extra 10 minutes. I'm not sure. Or at, you know, at what volume or capacity or intensity that stuff is played at. Who's to say, really? Well, the players, obviously, but I haven't asked any of them. And <laughs> But I'm, I'm sure they would say they appreciate it just to be able to chill out on the bench with like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and relax. And watch Precious Suchua, you know, get after it on the offensive glass and try and put shots up afterwards and draw, you know, he went to the line for nine free throws, just getting into space and being really aggressive, trying to get shots up and getting fouled by the people who were occupying the interior of the Spurs defense. That was awesome. And uh, yeah, Boucher, active on the glass. Uh, Kem Birch, active on the glass. Yes, He, he missed all of his flip shots in this game. And had a bump that I believe ended up in a small aceration on his face. And so he had to leave for that. And then he only played 18 minutes in this game, but they they've really been enjoying this platoon center thing where it's Pascal OG and Scotty. I mean, the OG didn't spend hardly any time on Jakob Pertl. Most of the time he was guarding Keldon Johnson or Devin Vassell on like a switch or something like that. But uh Scotty and Pascal, I thought, did a a decent job platooning on on Purtle, at least on the the primary actions. the you know, when the ball would go up and Purtle was able to get after it. it, it's when you're switching constantly, it's tough to find the guy to box out. You know what I mean? Like a scram switch, if a scram switch is interrupted by a shot going up, then you're leaving a you know a huge guy up there to go grab a rebound unchecked basically. And so there was some of that with Pirtle, but on the primary actions, I thought Scotty and Pascal did a decent enough job on Pirtle. It was just establishing position for offensive rebounding, a little duck ins late in the clock. That was where the Raptors were allowing points, but you know, that's when you're small and you have to, and you switch a lot of stuff like Pascal guarded Keldon Johnson, Pascal guarded Devin Vassell, Pascal guarded Pirtle. He guarded white. I'm not sure if he guarded Jones. Uh, I, d- I don't think I saw that. But yeah, th- this game didn't have to feature a ton of Cam Birch. It didn't have to feature a ton of Precious Achua. It was 18 minutes of each. And in fact, the Raptors went to this jumbo lineup, right? Which I think was, man, it was plus 12 in, I think, five minutes to open up the fourth quarter. And it was Boucher, Achua, Siakam, Barnes, and OG. So that means that I believe OG would have been the shortest guy on the court. And the Raptors were so funky in that lineup. And so it was so hard for the Spurs to keep up with that size. And, you know, that's the thing. is like when something new happens in the NBA, typically it works because teams are really used to the quirks and rhythms of regular NBA offense and defense that if Devin Vassell is trying to drive against the defense and. It has its six foot three guard and it has its six foot five shooting guard and six, eight small forward. And, you know, it's bigs and you can see the floor in front of you developing the way you've seen it develop a million times. It looks a lot different when you're trying to find driving lanes and stuff when all of a sudden there's just way more size on the floor. And even if the rotations aren't as crisp, even if the back line is a little bit more janky than usual, it just looks different. So there's like. There's a pause in how you read that defense because you have to get you have to get acclimated to it, and so the Raptors found great success um, with that lineup. So I thought it was cool that Nurse marched it out there, uh, an opportunity to get funky with it. This team is a funk fest in a lot of ways. So yeah, that that was awesome. So that that was cool to see as well. Another another bonus of the second half, but largely I just think this game was really nice for guys to. I mean, Pascal continues his ascent. He's played, and this, this is something I will make, you know, a decent I – actually, I think a great point on in the piece I write, and I, so I won't spoil too much of it, but Pascal has just done a wonderful job of emulating some of the aspects of big man basketball that the Raptors need on the roster. And he, he's done so after emulating some of the big man – or sorry, sorry, some of the wing aspects that the Raptors needed when Serge Ibaka and Marcus Saul were on the roster. Pascal was asked to do a lot of different things and it's hard to juggle that stuff. And he's been doing a hell of a job lately at acclimating to what the Raptors need him to be. And that's not easy to do. And he's doing it. This game was further proof of that. And, but that once again, it still plays second fiddle to Fred, who is just on an absolute heater. That's what this stretch of games is other than winning is in the grand scheme of things. Yes, guys are getting better. Yes, guys are gelling. That's, that's very clear to see. But this is, this is Fred Van Vliet kind of stepping out and saying, I'm an all-star. Like, let's get after it. I'm that dude. So, yeah, it was really nice to see the Raptors bench come with, like, A-plus performance from basically everyone except for Flynn, Banton, and Bonga. And I don't mean pluses in they were good or bad. I mean, like, the Raptors bench was a positive in this game. They won their minutes, staggered as they were. They won minutes, and that's been a rarity this year. So that was really nice to see. That's why we got less minutes for Fred, which I already talked about, but yeah. Good gracious. Uh the Reggie M's Award, Scotty Barnes, 11, 9, and 8. You know, hell yeah, Scotty. Like it's he, he is the type of player who you would never be upset at for hunting a triple double. That's that's always been something that players have kind of gotten chided for kind of made fun of for it's like you look a little too thirsty for it the 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 10th rebound of the triple double is supposed to fall graciously into your hands and you're supposed to be super cool about it and you know you're supposed to embody that type of thing but scotty is hunting it down aggressively you can tell he wants it bad because he's like hey this is meaningful. This is what I want. And that permeated in a bunch of the different things he did on the floor. The hit-ahead passes, he was very aggressive the way he was passing in this game. Like eight assists, one turnover. And you know, this is the thing is like Pascal is a guy, and Pascal is one of the best front court playmakers in the league. Don't get me wrong, but Pascal is a guy that if you're going to ratchet up his assists, he had five again tonight, you are going to ratchet up his turnovers. That is just a fact. It's going to happen. Pascal doesn't turn the ball over off the dribble very often. It's very rare. Some players do. Some players turn the ball over a lot more when they pass. Pascal is a a passer turnover person. Scotty, he can get, you know, between like eight to 12 assists, and he can still keep those turnovers down. It's just, he's a really, really sharp passer, and he can do it while being super aggressive and hitting pockets that not a lot of passers can hit, especially at his size. So, yeah the aggressiveness was there everywhere on the floor not just not just in the way he was grabbing rebounds not just in the way he was um getting after it for his own offense or anything like that but quite frankly just he was aggressive in every sense of the word in every facet of the game and that's awesome to see because that's scotty Barnes. so the eleven nine nine and eight that's the reggie Evans award top quick action comment is niagara underscore dude quote Nice shooting night from our backcourt. Not really happy to see Scotty finish with only seven attempts, but we have plenty of mouths to feed. I am very excited and interested to see us play against the World Champ Bucks and hope to see Scotty guarding Giannis or going one on one against Giannis. Win or lose, it's going to be a fun and exciting to watch, and that is what sports is all about. End quote. Yeah, uh, but here's the thing, right? Scotty has more touches per game than Pascal. Scotty touched the ball a lot in this game. He was just passing. Scotty is the arbiter of a lot of his own possessions he He doesn't need to shoot 16 every game, like just because Scotty came in and scored 25 and 13 in his second game does not mean he's a score first player. Scotty is a very, very unique presence in the NBA, will be during his entire career and will most likely be a player who will vacillate between high volume and low volume depending on what a, what a team throws at him defensively. In this game, he found a lot of opportunity as a passer, so his attempts went down naturally. That's just that's the way it works. Like Scotty touches the ball a lot every game, and having eight assists in this game, and he could have had more. That's that's totally fine. That's he doesn't have to shoot a bunch every night because that. The playmaking was the hallmark. That was his calling card coming into the draft. I was like, wow, if this guy's going to do anything offensively, he's going to be an incredible playmaker. So I don't see the seven attempts as a negative thing in a game like this. I say, wow, he had eight assists. He created tons of great looks. That's what you want. I don't want a possession just to be Scotty Barnes shot the ball, i.e. that's progression. No, Scotty Barnes in this game made a ton of great decisions with the ball. And that ended up with him having just an absolute sterling night as a playmaker with eight assists and one turnover. And he could have had more. And a lot of the assists he had weren't these weak little shovel passes. They were bullets into guys in the paint. He's creating suit. He's creating the highest quality looks a person could create. So this game I think is a a great example of Scotty knowing how to apply himself. They won by, you know, they, they blew the other team out and he, he kind of played around with the idea of how aggressive he could be as a passer. So yeah, literally zero, zero problem with the amount of attempts that I don't think that's important at all. The Raptors played beautiful basketball tonight and Scotty correctly identified where his strengths were laying tonight. So yeah, anyway, but yeah, hell yeah. Great shooting night from the backcourt, Gary hitting some easy threes, had a couple really nice drives, particularly the one where he got into the paint, bumped Purtle and then spun for a right-handed push shot that went in. So that, and that's not easy to do. That's, that's really great for Gary. The, the counters in the lane have been uh, more consistent this year than they were in the past as well. And so that's super helpful. So yeah. Uh, thanks for writing in listener. Thanks for tuning in. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.